Petersfield's Shine Radio. Growing Together with Anne-Marie Powell and Claire Dennis. Hello and thank you for joining us. This is Growing Together for April. I'm Claire Venice and I'm with Anne-Marie Powell and it's so lovely to see you in person, Anne-Marie. How are you? Oh, I'm just relieved. I've got a person in my garden at last. (laughs) So just that lifting to be able to have six people in your garden feels blooming good. And you're my first guest. Well, I was going to say, it's the first place I've gone actually since the lifting. And it's really lovely to be back here because last time I was here, was it November? And it was dark and cold because we record in the evenings. And now it's glorious. We're yeah. lucky we've got a beautiful day. I know. I just was trying to work out. It must have been November you were last here. And I remember hats, gloves and all sorts of things. Yeah, blankets. Freezing. <laughs> but we've got summer today. And, you know, it's, it's not going to last, I don't think. And that's the thing about April, isn't it? It can catch you out. But did your mum used to say that phrase, ne'er cast a clout till May is out? No. Does she not? It's a northern phrase. It must be. So ne'er cast a clout till May is out. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like between now and we have these glorious sunshiny days and I think our last frost in Peacefield is towards the end of April. You've got to be on your guard to just make sure that you're not getting too sort of garden happy and taking chances where without knowing that you might have to bear the consequences it's the thing because it's easy to get lulled into it because with days such as the one we've just had you know you just think oh right okay everything out let's get growing let's get planting but it'll catch you Uh, my mother-in-law says the 10th of may she says don't put anything out because the frost could get it until the 10th of may so i live by that i you know it's not worth the chance is it it's a really good date that to have in your mind but i've already broken that have you <laughs> oh, no. it's, like, it's like do as I say, not as I do sometimes as well, isn't it? So, what have you done? Uh, what well, naughty thing have you done, Anne-Marie? <laughs> well, today I did take my I'm I'm hardening off. I thought, right, I need to start hardening off all of the seedlings that are all over my kitchen floor. Mm. So I brought out my cabaya, which is an amazingly really sort of tall climber prolific cup and saucer vine it's called and it flowers in late summer so I wanted to get a head start on it it's romping around the place so I thought right I'm going to start hardening it off so I chose to put it out this morning really bright sunshine went upstairs to work from home again and lots of the leaves have been scorched and lots of my seedlings started to look a bit like then you know I shouldn't have done it but You wanted to know it was going to be that hot today, though. No, I know, but I should have been a bit more observant. Mm. And I think that's the thing. I should have checked on them. It's a bit like having young babies, isn't it? You need to check on them. So, and I really didn't, but they'll be fine. It's, It's early enough that they will catch up with themselves. Do you normally then, would you normally start hardening some of your seedlings off now? We're talking about end of March, early April. Really? Okay. Definitely. So because the thing is inside, they just won't get as much light Mm. as they'll get outside. And it was the first day that they've been put outside and the sun was absolutely magnificent. But yeah, it's just scorched the foliage. But I will start bringing things in and out, in and out, Mm. in and out. So, and I've even already planted my sweet peas out. Have you? Yeah, look, they're over there. Oh. So they're already out. (laughs) 
Are you going to cover them? No, they're quite hardy, aren't they? No, so, yeah. so what I will do is I will be careful and I w- will check the weather report every night because I'm more concerned about frost than I am about sun because I know that lots of my annuals, they will recover. But frost, if, they, if their foliage gets blackened, then they've got a lot more work to do mm. to recover from that. So they are out and every night I will check and if there is frost forecast, then I will go out there and I'll fleece them up. And I've got mine growing up a tripod with some hazel canes, just wrapped lots of twine around them. I call it witching, so that they go up the top. And I'll just put a little tent from the top of my tripod frame and just make it sort of whirl its skirt. And I will use pegs just to hold them in position to the baskets that they're planted in. But they've been outside, as you know, all the way since I sewed those ones on the day after Boxing Day. And they've been outside underneath my upturned plastic boxes because I don't have a cold frame or a greenhouse. So I know they're hard enough to withstand the cold temperatures. It's just Jack Frost if he comes and has a dance on their leaves. I don't want him round. No. Not there. No, no, particularly since you sewed them so long ago. It would be really, really disappointing to not have them. So, Jack, if you're listening, sling your hook. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to see you well, now. Well, he might come. He might come. You've got to watch him. <laughs> How are you getting on with your seeds? Yeah, I've planted quite a lot. And actually, my tomatoes, I need to pot them on because I put them in a tray and now they need to be potted on to the next size up. Loving it being on the windowsill. So that's why I asked about hardening them off because I haven't done that yet. But they're getting to a size where I think they probably could do with a bit of that. Yeah, it's just in and out, but not mm. on a hot day. So just acclimatise them so, to, so that they can go out when on the 10th of May that you feel happy doing it. I haven't even sown my tomato seeds yet. Oh, have you not? Oh, I'll have to bring you some. Flops. Don't. No? I've got about okay. 20 varieties. Oh, you said you had some from America, didn't you? I have. I've got some that have come over from America. So, but I've got a heated propagator, so I'll put them on there. And because I don't have a greenhouse, I have to be really careful about timing when I plant stuff. So all the stuff that I've got sown now, they're all my hardy annuals, so they'll give me a head start. And um, I have sown some antirrhinums and some, I've got some dahlia seedlings growing as well, which are not hardy, but I need to temper it so that I can start putting things out underneath my, I haven't got a greenhouse, but I've got all these little propagating units, which I call my baby greenhouses. <laughs> so until the end of April, 10th of May in your house, my deck will now start to be littered with these teeny tiny propagator greenhouses, as I call them. And then they'll slowly stay out because it's more about keeping the frost off once they're acclimatized than the cold temperatures. Okay. And if you're unsure, just Google your plant and see what it's hardy down to and it will tell you I doubt we'll get less than minus one really Mm. so I think a lot of them will withstand that but Jack be careful be careful of Jack you mentioned about the dahlia seeds I actually bought some as well oh did you yeah because I thought I'll try those and they are I think they're just starting to pop up it was only probably a couple of weeks, three weeks ago that I put them in. But I'd be interested to see how they go. I didn't know you could get them in seeds. Yeah, absolutely you can. So, And they will take that long sometimes to come up. So don't be disheartened. And then they just come up and they're just like, you know, shooting. I've got both tubers and seed. Yeah, they'll just come up. But they're all on the kitchen floor. <laughs> they are. I can see them. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> you can't tell um, what colour they're going to be with seedlings. So it can be a right old mix of colours and um, it depends where you get them from because you can see if they're sort of going to be bright colours or the more pale vintagey shades as I call them. It's all about how those plants cross fertilise and so you'll get a range of colours. But I think the hardest thing to do is if you don't like something, 
cut it and then pull the stem up. You know, that's hard. That is hard to do that. Just think about how lovely that colour. If you don't like it in the garden, you might like it in a vase mm, inside. Yeah. I often yeah. find that actually. That if I don't like the colour, because the light's different, isn't it? So, yeah. so you observe that flower in a different way. So don't don't be worried about doing that in the summer to cut a few for you. Do you tend to look at colours and think about having a theme in your garden each year? Sort of. Yeah, I do. I mean, I love the bold and the brilliant. Absolutely. You know, I like to become out and just feel this energy coming from the plants. I'm less wafty and more full on, I suppose. So and I'm like that in life too, I think. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so I tend to go for the dual tones. So, and then I'll match those colours to one another. So, you know, I'm, I, I, summed, I wouldn't ever match a pale pink with a dark purple, for example, but I would match a really intense azure blue with a rich plummy tone of purple. And I think that's just from practice, knowing what will grow together. And I'll also interject yellow is my kind of go-to lift colour, mm. because I think if you go too dually, the purples, the blues, the reds, the deeper tones, then you need something to lift it. So mm. I'll go for bright yellow in the spring, and then paler tones of yellow throughout the rest of the summer, just to give a little bit of pop. They're like the sparkling diamond earrings of <laughs> the borders, I suppose. So yeah, so I do think about colours and I'm quite selective about the plants that I let in. I don't anyone give me plants ever, apart from veg or okay. fruit. Okay, good So to... yeah, but herbaceous and, and no. No, I've got to choose. very personal thing to do. <laughs> I've got to choose it and the annuals as well. I really think hard about how those are going to combine when I place those orders and then the next order and the next order as yeah. the naughty spends go about how they're going to look in, in the border. Yeah, I'm quite considered about that. Because you've got quite deep borders looking at your garden now, which I can see a lot clearer than I did in November when it was dark. So you've got at least three, four, sometimes five feet of, of borders there, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I, I, I like to be able to make sure that plants have got a depth to grow in because if you have a teeny tiny border and I see this a lot like our borders here are the smallest that I'll go to on the deck and they're about 600 mm. wide mm. 600 millimeters I talk in so 60 oh, centimeters two, two foot <laughs> yes, yes. so and um that's if you go any less than that then you can't get a sort of a swathe of plants going backwards so you end up with a bit of police lineup of plants. They look like they're kind of like standing to attention in a row. With a 60 centimetre border or two foot, it means that at least you can get a zigzag. And then I'll always punctuate that with tons of bulbs coming through so that you've always got this kind of successional display, which will keep your borders going throughout the whole of the summer. But it's easier when you've got wider borders. And our garden isn't huge, as you know. It's a semi that we live in. It's standard semi-detached garden size. But um, yeah, that depth is super important to me because it means that I can get longevity. And, and my garden here is all about the summer. That's when I want to spend time in it. So I don't care about having evergreens in it. Although it looks quite ropey, I think now, I know that come summer, it's going to be a completely different story. Yeah, there's a lot coming through already. What do you put at the back of your borders then? Because obviously you need the height at the back. Well, climbers, I need to get more climbers, get my game up on that for sure. Mm. But I have got, as I say, lots of cobaya to kind of completely straddle these fence panels this year. I tend to go for really quite tall things. So I, I like my structure in my garden is grasses rather than shrubs, which take up a whole lot more space. So I grow lots of miscanthuses so the sinensises so and they grow you know two meters and above 
and they also form that bit of movement mm. and then I'll grow things like Joe Pieweed which is um, Eupatorium which is a really tall upright plant verbena so I've got um, a few different types of verbena actually there's verbena rosea and there's verbena bonariensis then I'll grow things like thelictrums which are high so Ellen but it's all you know two meters high at the back and then I'm, I always grow sunflowers, yet to sow them. So that's this weekend's job. And they will punctuate. And with the taller groups of plants, sometimes I'll bring one further forwards. We call them gate crashes with my studio. So, oh, really? That's great. Yeah, so they're gate crashes because otherwise it can look a bit too orderly. Yeah. So we're tall at the back and short at the front. So I like to have some interlopers and gate crashes. Okay. <laughs> just to kind of give a little bit yeah. of a sort of sense of rhythm and also a little bit of a sense of oh what's going on there it's excitement I suppose I suppose that's what I want for my garden I, I want it to be excitable a few surprises so, surprises along the way yeah and full-on colour I do think that gardeners are kind of quite excited people we're messing with mother nature this well this time of year particularly where things are starting to come up they're growing and there's still time to sort out your borders and figure out what you're going to be doing i love this time of year for this you know anything's possible still yeah it's kind of last chance saloon mm, as well so mm. i'm sure that you like a deadline so it's kind of like the deadline's coming let's get onto it let's split let's divide let's pop things around the place and um, you can see all of the plants just exploding almost out of the ground at the moment. It almost changes hour by hour, let alone day by day. I think this is a really great time to be out there and gardening. I love it. I've got something I was going to ask you. I've got a space in my garden. Lots of stuff has happened in my garden recently. that's <laughs> caused a few changes along the way. And so there's a few gaps. And I'm looking for a smallish tree. I have an Acer probably that's about 15 years old so it's a good height three maybe four meters high now beautiful there's a bay tree that's been there longer than we've been at the house we've got a lilac which is gorgeous and again that was in the garden we inherited when we moved in the house but there's a gap so I'm looking at, at possibly at trying to find a smallish tree that won't take over but that will add shape and height to the garden as well there's so many. Yeah, I know. So can you recommend any? <laughs> there are so many oh, trees I don't that want you to could get use. Too high. That's yeah. the thing because I don't want to take over. Yeah. Sort of about a three, four meter. The, my favourite sort of large shrub, small tree is Amelanchia lamarckii. Mm. So mm. I love that because it has it all. So it has lovely shape in through the winter. It has flower. It has um, gorgeous foliage colour in the autumn, and it has berries as well. So and it's an elegant form, particularly if you grow it as a multi-stem. So lots of stems come out. From the ground at the same place so I love that so because it's you can eat the berries if the birds don't get them first but there are tons of other ones as well cornus mass is a really good plant it has autumn color again edible fruit and it has yellow flowers so what else could you grow all the malices there's so many crab apples that are supremely beautiful oh I do have a crab apple so, in the front garden okay yeah which I bought for it's a half standard though I didn't want a massive one I bought for making crab apple jelly Right. Do you make it? I do. Very nice. I do. It's gorgeous. Spicy. Spicy crab apple jelly. Lovely. Yeah, very nice. And there's, you know, again, so you already know that they have flour and, and fruit that you can use. Mm. And I think they smell better than the sorbuses, which do a similar thing. Sometimes their flowers can have a bit of a, a fusty smell, shall we say? Oh, that's interesting because that was so, one I was possibly considering. Yeah. I do sorbus. love them, but I just wouldn't have them next to a terrace particularly, so or somewhere where it will waft. So some people perhaps wouldn't even notice it. So okay. it all depends. Yeah. So, But I do really like things like hawthorns, actually. I love a hawthorn. If I had space for another tree, 
I would grow a Protagus because they're so pretty. It's a native tree, it has flower, it's amazing habitat for a host of different wildlife and, and it'll add value to the biodiversity of your garden. So I do love a Hawthorne and there are tons of different varieties that you can choose. Again, you could use a Betula, a birch. So mm. my favourite one is Albo sinensis. That's got a kind of a, a ready tone to it. I know lots of people love the Jack Monteyes, which are the white-stemmed oh, yes. yeah. ones. Mm -hmm. For me, they're a bit too show-off, so they sort of stand out a bit too much. In a botanical garden, that can look fantastic. Mm. But I think, it, I think <laughs> in a small garden, or you know, any residential garden, really, unless it's huge, I think they can sort of overpower lots of other things you plant. So I often kind of try, particularly with my trees, because I want to be looking at my herbaceous and my annuals, just to have them slightly knocked back so they're green through the summer and they don't have bark that looks a bit too much mm. so you're going oh nice tree and forgetting about everything else that's under it yeah that's the thing isn't it again and, and going back to color finding something that blends and that works together with everything else in your garden it's so important to think about that. and that's super important as well with trees and i think it's a super good point that you made because you've got to think about how that tree which is going to be quite large when it's in flower is it going to go with everything else is it going to go with the color that you've painted your window frames yeah. is it going to go with your brickwork you know even if you're viewing it from a distance it's still going to have this kind of relationship with all the colors either of your house or of the plants that are existing in it so it's got to look nice. It's got to look nice, Claire. That's why I've been umming and ahhing about it, because I'm not, just not sure, just not sure. I want to make the right decision, but I know, well, the bare root season is over, and so it'll have to probably be later on in the year that I get it. Mm. But I also think you should, you know, now you, you may be going to more people's gardens, is ask people who have a tree that you like when you visit them, write oh, it down. Good point. Yeah, good point. So you've got to love a tree. It's there for a long time. Actually, that's a really good point, because we are going to be spending a lot of time in other people's gardens, aren't we? So make the most of the time there as well as catching up and seeing people <laughs> take a notebook yeah what is that tree yeah. <laughs> i'll do that yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to to that really and as lockdown eases i'm going to make sure that i just pencil out some time to not suddenly be overtaken by foraying into nightclubs and restaurants and the social scene because i have really enjoyed being a bit of a hermit actually and um, finding time to garden. I don't want to give that up now. So, although it would be tempting at times, I know. But um, yeah, I- Bring I, the nightclub to your garden, Amory. I've got, do you Maybe. know, I've got, I've got nightclub tulips. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, they're the bright pink ones, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. They're so, the ones that smell as well. I think they're scented. Okay. I think they're new for me. I've yeah. not grown them before. And I was flicking through the Peter Nissen catalogue and came across them and thought, I've got to have those. <laughs> Just because of the name. We're so attracted by names, yeah. aren't we? So yeah, so we'll see if they are a hit and they stay <laughs> in the garden yeah. nightclub or not. Yeah. There's loads of them. There's about a oh hundred. I wow, went wild. <laughs> I look forward to seeing them when they're up. <laughs> but I think you're right. We've spent a lot of time in our gardens over the last year and hopefully that continues. I think it will continue this year with, you know, we're still restricted, I think, in where we can go and maybe not being able to go on holidays. You've got to utilise what you have and gardens have become that really important outdoor space for us. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I just think that lockdown, we've been so fortunate to have gardens, haven't we? Or a little bit of outdoor space just to go outside and just breathe in. It's one of the first things I do in the morning is just open the door, no matter what the weather is like, even if it's raining sometimes, just come outside and just sort of realise that it's a big wide world out there and, and there's so much beauty to be enjoyed. 
and I don't want to lose that sort of sounds a bit hippie doesn't it but sort of communing with the natural world and with nature and, and just really appreciating what we have and just her enthusiasm and her willingness to just keep us going and to keep us inspired I just adore it and I've neglected that we've all been too busy haven't we yeah. this has given us a chance to just stop yeah absolutely so what have you got planned then for April oh loads in fact I've just been through I've got this wooden box where I put all the seeds and I think I've just I've got a lot <laughs> a lot that I need to get sewing all sorts of flowers and a ridiculous amount of vegetables new things um, I want to try I've got different squashes I want to try I don't know if I've got all the space but I'll be frugal with how many seeds I plant because April's the time to start sowing all these seeds and I didn't want to do it too early but I do need to get going so I do lots of beans as well which I've put up poles because they don't take up much space and you can put quite a few poles in your garden in quite a small area and have loads of different things going up them so I don't just do runner beans I'll do French beans and bolotti beans all sorts and I love the mixture as well of all the flowers when they start flowering so you've got possibly the reds of the runner beans and then if you do a there's a purple French bean Blauhild, I think it's called yeah. And that's gorgeous because the flower's really pretty. And then you have these amazing purple pods which come out. So again, they look gorgeous. So I like to sort of mix things up a bit. Yeah, um, no, I'm exactly the same. I haven't sown a thing in the veg garden yet at all. And there's tons and tons of things that I want to get sown. I've got some new arches, which I've got just for squashes. Notice those. So did They're you know? Lovely. Yes. <laughs> so I've never grown squash before, ever. Okay. Not even on my allotment. So this is my year for growing some squashes. So I've got, again, like you, about six different types. <laughs> it's just like I've got, I can't grow all of them. It's not gonna, you know, there's not enough space. There's only two. So for those, that's for the cabaya, that one. So what tips have you got for growing squashes? I presume you don't sow them direct. No, I don't, no, start them off inside. I've got a little side greenhouse thing, small little thing. So I, I pop them in there and keep them in there for a long time actually until they're strong and then you know, bring them out to get them used to being outside and pop them back in uh, overnight if it's gonna be really, really cold. Lots of water and lots of good composty soil Hungry. around them. And actually a tip is to, when you do plant them out, make a sort of little dip around the stem so when you do pour the water on them, the water stays. And that's a really good tip because they do need a lot of water. That's a really good tip, actually. It's like courgettes are the same. Yeah, so absolutely. Same thing. Really, yeah. What courgettes are you planning to grow this year, then? Blimey, I'd have to look in my tin, Claire. I don't look in there because there's so much seed. Yes. <laughs> but I do like the yellow ones. You know, I really think they're more flavoursome and sweeter than the greens somehow. But I am going to grow them up this year. I'm going to grow them as climbers of tripods. They take up a lot of space, don't they? They do spread. They do. Yeah, they do spread. Have you ever, ever tried the round ones? Yes, I have yeah. last year. They're nice. But, but I like the long one. I like to be able to chop them up. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I do really like the flowers as well. Have you done those? Stuff them and then deep fried them. Terribly bad for you, but terribly tasty. <laughs> yeah, lovely. We haven't. I've, we've always looked at them and then never managed to do it at the right time. You must Maybe do this it. year. Yeah, yeah, do it this year. We only did it once, but we made about eight sort of different courgette flares. Just stuffed them up with cheese with a little finely chopped onion that was pre-fried. Yum. And then dipped them in a batter straight into hot oil. Oh my goodness. It was her burn. <laughs> 
I'm not even exaggerating. Okay, okay. You must do it because I know it feels like it's a faff, but even if they kind of explode a little bit, if your oil is hot enough, it doesn't make a terrible mess and the taste does not diminish. Gorgeous! It is something I've wanted to try, definitely. So, mm. okay, we'll look into that. Yeah. Worth growing your courgettes for. Yeah, just yeah. for the flowers. Yeah. They're so pretty as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're lovely and they keep going for quite a while. And do you grow companion plants? Do you grow, like, you know, the marigolds and mm. nasturtiums and things like that? I do, I do. I, it was one of the things I started the very beginning of when I, I had an allotment years ago, it was one of the first things I looked at doing because I love that idea. It makes sense. It just makes complete sense to grow your marigolds and your basil with the tomatoes and to help your plants and your vegetables grow, you know, healthily next to each other. I, I do try and do that as much as I can. It brings the pollinators in mm. so you get better veg as well. So And it provides a little bar for them. Yeah. So it's nice. You're hanging out with your veg and lots and lots of gorgeous bugs. Yeah, and you can grow herbs next to them as well um, and, and mint is brilliant for that kind of stuff although I always grow mint in a pot which I haven't done <laughs> in one part of my garden but I quite like it going a little bit awry I don't mind that at all so yeah I do try and do that and there's some nice flowers you can grow next to them and I just I think it's so important to look into that it's like a potage really isn't it, it is really so, yeah you know, instead of a kind of formal vegetable garden and I don't know, it feels a sort of like you're closer to the earth when you mix it all up. It's just a little bit of everything. So. I like that. I like the flowers mixed in with the vegetables. I have even considered talking about courgettes, putting a courgette plant in my flower border before because mm. I ran out of space in my little veg patch. I thought, why not? If there's a space mm. there and you need to fill it, then Climbing pretty in there. can look fantastic in borders. Of course, artichokes, so edible artichokes, we grow them ornamentally in our borders just, you know, because we like the look of them. So if you can eat them too, yeah, why Stunning. not? Yeah, and fennel. Fennel's quite nice yeah, as well, isn't it, for absolutely. that? absolutely. I grow that in some... my pots as well. So mm. some growing there with my anemones. Yeah, a couple of years ago, our fennel, we let it go to, to seed and it did. It just sowed it itself all over the place. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't let it do that. <laughs> I wonder if they grow a lot of mixed sort of borders and plants with veg up at the Peaceville Community Garden. It was the middle of winter when we went to visit them. They're such lovely people. They were really well. Yeah. And it was a cold day and they lit a fire for us and we had this gorgeous chat. So yeah, we should go back. It'd be lovely to revisit and see what they're planting. Yeah, gosh, wouldn't it? Are there any places, because we all have loads of leftover seed, are there places where you can do seed swaps and things in Peaceville? Do you know? I haven't actually been to a physical seed swap in the past. I guess you can't really now anyway, but uh, there is a Facebook page where people swap plants but it would be brilliant to have a seed swap, wouldn't it? I think so. If not, you can send them off to places like the Lemon Tree Trust, which they want seed because they are giving seed to refugees and refugee camps across the globe. So, so yeah, so just so wonderful. If you've got it just lying around in your seed tray, slowly getting, you know, more decrepit and unlikely to to germinate the following mm. year, it's nice to be able to give the seed to somebody else that's a lovely idea so yeah and it's easy idea. to stick in an envelope and post as well isn't mm -hmm. it yeah because we always have well i always have extra tomatoes <laughs> so any extras stick them to somebody that you think would really need them in the post that's a great so, idea you know really that like that nice. idea so now sure. we've had we've had a question we have a question i'm so pleased yeah. it's so lovely to hear from people do ask us the questions if you have them, because we love yeah. them, don't we? Yeah, it's great to hear from you. We love to hear what people are doing in their mm. gardens. So the question this month is, 
What can be grown under a walnut tree? Now, walnut trees are quite tricky, I think. Yeah, no, they are. And it depends what walnut tree it is. Because walnuts, quite naturally, they exude a chemical into the soil. And that's to protect that tree, the mother tree, from any sort of competition. Because the mother tree wants to produce as much nuts as possible to reproduce. And they want to take all the moisture, all the nutrients, without everything else muscling in on the action, really. And black walnut trees, the black nuts, they are worse than the standard walnut tree that you would usually expect in this country. So you don't see so many of the black ones. Very beautiful tree anyway. But there are plants, and a lot of plants, actually, that you can grow. And there are plants also that you can grow in the shade of any tree with a dry root system, the dry soil there. It's things like Brunnera, which is a really great ground cover. So you can grow lots of Alcamilla mollis, ladies mantle, which is a super popular plant. And, um, and these are plants as well that will bulk up without any help from you. Aquilegia is another okay. really good one that will grow underneath the tree. You can even grow climbers. And, and if you've got expanses of space, actually, that you don't want to look after, do think about growing climbers as a kind of ground cover plant. Because I know honeysuckle will grow underneath walnut trees. But honestly, yeah. there's a whole host of things that will put up with actually the walnut being a little bit selfish <laughs> with the soil mm-hmm. that grows at its feet. And a quick Google search will show you a whole host of lots of popular plants. That's interesting, because walnut trees themselves are really beautiful trees, aren't they? But I, I can't remember seeing one with, with anything growing underneath it other than grass. And, and interesting about honeysuckle. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. know that. There's a few plants that actually will put out toxins just to take over. I mean, the classic one, and we're going to be getting these soon, is bluebells. Can't yeah. wait for bluebell season, can you? I love bluebells. Gosh, not even magic thought about, about it. Bells. So it's just something to look forward to, isn't it? Really is. It reminds me of my gran. She oh. always had bluebells at the bottom of her garden. That's lovely, isn't lovely. it? And it is nice, actually, because I'm sure we've talked about it before, but plants do evoke memories, don't they, mm-hmm. of people and places. Mm-hmm. And actually, now we're getting to the tail end of kind of easy planting season. It'd be nice to kind of plant something for someone that's meant a lot to you in this past year, or yeah. maybe even someone you've lost. Yeah, and I... I tend to do that. My garden has rose bushes and fruit trees that I've planted over the years to remember someone who's passed. And I think it's just a way of coming to terms with it, isn't it, really? And, and also try and remembering that person. That's, for me, that's, that's the way I do it. So I think it's, a, it's personal, but it's a really lovely thing to do, to think about what you can do to, to help remember that person. And, and it's something that's growing and thriving. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I honestly think that gardens, they are for plants. But they are four people, aren't they? So those that are here, those who are down the road, you know, all the wildlife bouncing through these amazing corridors of gardens that we have. And yeah, memories. Well, Amory, it's been wonderful catching up with you again in your garden. You can probably hear the bird song. They just haven't stopped, have they? It's the blackbirds. They come okay. out at dusk. They do it to mark their territory. So we feed the blackbirds here. We chop up an apple every single day and put it out for their breakfast. Hmm. And at this time of night, they come out and they just sing from the highest tree and just go, this part of the world is mine. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't that's it? That's really lovely. Yeah, they, have, they haven't stopped and it's been really nice to hear them. It's been great to talk to you about exciting things that we've got coming up in our garden. So take care, everyone. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can contact us on petersfield.com 
555500. That's 01730 Or you can email us at team at shineradio.uk. So hopefully we'll have some more questions next month, Amory. Oh, I'd love to hear from our listeners. I really would. Please, please get in touch. Makes our day. It does. Take care. Bye. Bye. with Anne-Marie and Claire. New every month and only from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Basil, Cabea, Foxgloves. Hardy Geraniums. Tithonia, Rodolphia. Dahlias. Tons of zinnias. An award-winning garden designer. And I've been designing for 25 years. A passionate home gardener. Do a little bit, but often. <laughs> Growing together with Anne-Marie and Claire. It's given me so much joy. New every <laughs> month and only from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Tomatoes. <laughs>